Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today on the show, we're going to attempt to tackle the question, why bother with canon? Here with me to discuss this uncontroversial topic are my two best friends, Nick T. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> and Nick Z. Ahoy, uh, hoy. So who needs canon anyway, guys? Why do we need it? You gotta have that canon so that everything has structure. Without that canon, you've just got a bunch of stories coming together. Anything can happen. It's just chaos. I mean, I'm, I'm actually in the broader sense of living a life kind of with you. <laughs> in the sense that life is, is this big, massive chaos. And it's nice to have something stru- like some known structure to come to. So in that sense, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> cool. But uh, that might not be the context of the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Structure helps helps give things meaning. But in terms of an, an intellectual property, a movie or a movie series, I should say, or a television show or a series of books, I think there's a lot of like the importance of canon, the importance of consistency and things like that. I think the thing that is most important to people about canon is that stuff doesn't contradict other stuff. And that's pretty much it. Beyond that, you should be able to do kind of whatever. But like, it's it's important to quote establish the rules and then break them in season eight, as time and speed have no meaning anymore. <laughs> are we are we talking about the Flash or are we talking about Doctor Who or We're talking about Game of Thrones? Oh, Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> it's it's funny because we like to we like to think that if you set up a bunch of rules that nothing contradicts itself, but it turns out that um, even if you take nonfiction. You take real life. It turns out there are lots of things that can sound contradictory, but aren't like if you take any event in history, you can have an event taken from multiple people's perspectives. And even though it sounds like they contradict each other, turns out they're both true. They're both an individual's truth. Yes. And we don't begrudge that. We might wonder what quote really happened as though that means anything. So, I mean, to me, it's especially odd that anybody cares about canon in a literary sense, because like everything's made up yeah and and i don't know z maybe i'll shed some light on this but i know like the word kind of as we know today is not quite the same because i think it stems from like quote the english canon which is not like a set of rules but was like a collection of works that were considered to be the good ones (laughs) well that that just brings up more opinions oh yeah i i do believe that is where it came from i mean a little little throwback as I'm sure you both know or remember, uh, in terms of Spanish uses, exactly, exactly. But which came from religion? Yes. Going even further back than that literary canon and like great English works or whatever, that's where they got it from. Because you know there were all sorts of books written or written by uh, by people in in as they say Bible times. But Wish they wouldn't. <laughs> But you can't cram them all into one big book because then that one big book would be enormous and super contradictory. And of course, as uh, as Christianity changed, even as Christianity became a thing that was not Judaism, you know, you have to come up with a new canon of accepted works like, okay, you know, like uh, maybe get rid of Leviticus, but uh, keep Exodus, um, hold on to Kings, but uh, get rid of Jeremiah, you know. You shuffle things around a little bit. Rewrite, rewrite numbers. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of the, get rid of all those I's and X's and V's. You know, we've got the Arabic numerals now. 
So not not super interested in the the <laughs> biblical sense. I feel like you know that's that's a matter for quite literally the scholars. But I mean, like, why why do we care about canon and fiction? Least of all, like the the fiction we consume today. Comic book creators very clearly don't care about canon. <laughs> they just take the same characters and reinvent them, put them in Marvel Cinematic, Marvel Animated Universe number four five three two, like whatever. I don't care about canon. Why should I? I, th- I think it has to do with per- a perception of a show's or property's quote integrity. Mm. Um, that that everything is deliberate and everything means something and everything has a purpose within the thing that you're consuming. Like it sort of respects that everything has been planned and everything is just so. Even if you're just. Even if it's something that the author came up with by flying by the seat of their pants, <laughs> people like the idea that everything has been meticulously organized and thought it's that it's the curative side of fandom entirely that is concerned with canon. I agree that it's incredibly curative. It's very much about making sure things are consistent. Like this happened in book three. This can't happen in book four or six. You know, it's been established that uh, the dragon eggs only hatch at 500 degrees Fahrenheit, not not 433 <laughs> or whatever. Right there, when you said it has been established, my eyes just rolled to the back of my head. <laughs> just FYI. It, it has been established the Doctor can only have 12 regenerations. Ah! Okay. No, no, no. Anyway, just, anyway. Just carry on. Just carry on. But, but along with that curative sense, perhaps in fandoms that are a little bit broader or or in media that's a little bit broader like comic books like the legend of zelda the fact that there's a canon but the individual points of that canon the individual games going specifically with zelda don't fill in all the blanks it leaves a fair bit of room a kind of uh, restricted area if you will for people to come up with with fan works whether they're theories or fan fiction or whatever that tries to connect the games or tries to make sense of the timeline or tries to like just elaborate the world within the constraints of the world. Nintendo has such a good thing going. Yeah. They can just throw out whatever and fans <laughs> would make it connect to all the other games. Yeah. I, I know because I've watched them do it. Mario and Sonic, they're at the Olympics now. They work yeah. together. They're a team. It's fine. They're at, all, they're at all the Olympics. All the way back to the 60s. All the way back to the 1890s. Oh. Athens, Greece. Uh, I would like to see that game. <laughs> Mar- Mario and Sonic at the 1896 Olympics <laughs> in Athens. But yeah, I think, I think all, you're almost, I think you're almost, your argument sounds in favor of a lack of canon or a lack of, of the keeping of canon anyhow. I think it's important that there still be canon, but like comparing it to, let's say, Game of Thrones, uh, for example, where you know that you've got sort of a division of canons in a way and sort of like a hierarchy of canons as well. I mean, there are only two, but I feel like the people who followed the books certainly put them in even the people who followed the TV show after the disappointment of the, the last few episodes, but the people with the books put them well above the TV show because the TV show was like a derivative work of the books. It was an adaptation up to a point. And so there is always that, that tension between, you know, oh, what's going to happen after they run out of books. Um, and it was going okay, I guess, for a while, but then didn't end up very well. But then it sounded like they wanted to do a Star Wars, so like, we got to wrap this shit up. And then yeah. they were later like, man, we just winged it. 
And then they were like, you are no longer going to do a Star Wars. So it, everyone <laughs> lost in that exchange. Yeah. In that case, you've got two competing canons and something like the Zelda world. You've just got the one and it's kind of loose, you know? Oh, Skyward Sword happens at the beginning. Breath of the Wild is, you know, tens of thousands of years later. So there's a lot of, a lot of free space in there to play. Like there is a lot of stuff in Breath of the Wild that doesn't make sense with any of the other games. But like the, the reason that fans are in charge of Zelda canon is Nintendo is not going to be beholden to anything else they did when they're making their new games. No. They're going to make the games they're going to make. Yeah. And then people are just going to twist it back and connect it all up anyway. <laughs> so why bother? So it was a li- Doctor Who was alluded to earlier when I screamed. Yeah. Yep. And, <laughs> and like, honestly, if, if the show was beholden to all the rules it laid out over 50 years, it would <laughs> suck. It would suck. <laughs> it would just be a giant list of things you can't do because of what happened before. You know how I know? Because in the 80s, we did it. There was a guy on Doctor Who whose job was to be in charge of canon. And they had not only was everything canonically accurate, lots of references to old stuff, a Colin Baker story that referenced a Patrick Troughton story from the 60s that was not available at the time. Wow. So, like, no one knew what was going on, but it was canonically correct. And that (laughs) leads me to another aspect of why people quote like canon because for people who have been following whatever property is for a long time it feels like a reward i i i actually can't argue against that like when i'm even a show that is canonically inconsistent Mm -hmm. uh like the simpsons oh yeah actually the simpsons is a great example of that uh where they anytime they bring up one of the characters ages you're like aren't you like 40 it's like i'm 13 It's like you're rewarded because you're like, oh, I, I knew that. I knew that the show has been running for a long time and Bart has been in the, the fourth grade forever. <laughs> yes. So I, I actually can see that. And I'm I was I'm very much prepared to be like, no, canon is stupid. Stop it. But I'm like, yeah, that I can see that. It feels like, well, when I was watching, I noticed this. So the fact that the show is acknowledging uh, that that has been acknowledged uh, makes me feel seen makes me feel justified in how much I pay attention to this show. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I feel like if that's your only reward, then you end, always end up just telling the exact same stories over and over again. Like you, you might feel like you're rewarded for knowing things, yeah. but, um, and I, I still haven't seen the third star Wars movie from the latest trilogy yet, mm-hmm. but looking at the, the first one, um, like JJ, even actually, this is probably true of many of JJ Abrams works. They're just like very referential. They're, like, oh, don't loves, you remember this thing? He loves restarting things. Yeah. The new Star Trek movie, what, um, when it had come out, Star Trek 2000, whatever the heck it was, yeah. it was just like pretty, uh, sorry, Into Darkness is a better example. It's just like it's Wrath of Khan. Like, sure, the, the, the beats are a bit different, but it's just Wrath of Khan. And people knew that when he talked about it. It's like, no, 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 it's not Wrath of Khan. I believed it. It was, it was Wrath of Khan. And... Is that what we're saving canon for? So we can watch um, another reboot of Star Trek, another a reboot of Star Wars. Oh, oh, hey, now we're talking about not only canon, but intertextuality, <laughs> which is which is your experience of watching Y depends on your experience of watching X. What was the big thing that happened at the end of Into Darkness? 
Kirk sacrificed himself. Why is that so significant? Because in the original, Spock sacrificed himself. Right. It is going against the grain, but only because you are watching the mo- like you're watching the remake of a movie you've already seen. Yeah. Whereas if we could, if we weren't concerned with um, canon, if we weren't concerned with like the the quote rules, like that would be interesting. But you can have any number of different stories. They yeah. don't have to reference other ones. I mean, they can uh, because they can be anything or they don't have to. Um, as a different example, Z, you love The Legend of Zelda. I love The Legend of Zelda. And I forget where I read this. It's been a while since I read this, but somebody mm-hmm. was like, hey, it's uh, it's 2019. It's 2018, whatever year it is at the time. Yep. Uh, why can't Link be a girl? Ah. And um, Aonuma or, or somebody was like, well, you know, he can't because this is the rules that we set out. And I'm like, who cares about the rules? Yeah. yeah. Like in the next Breath of the Wild, is Ganon going to be a wizard daddy helper figure? Fingers crossed. Or is he still going to be evil? I mean, maybe he's evil and he helps the party. <laughs> I don't know. But but like, just because we've always done it one way doesn't mean we can't do things differently. That's That's for me why I hate canonicity because it's the argument, well, we've always done this, things this way. Whether that is the story has gone this way and needs to continue this way, or we've always picked these works because they've always been the ones that some person a long time ago picked. Yes. Or we add things to this canon because they're similar to that. This is the thorny thing. Canon is not tradition. Some people think that it is. Canon is what happened, not what should. Oh, I I see. Canon is history. Canon is descriptive, not proscriptive. A lot of people like to use canon as proof that this thing that's happening now can't work or shouldn't work or shouldn't be happening. But that's dumb. I'm I'm guessing since the two of you um, are avid watchers of Doctor Who, and this sounds like perhaps an argument against certain elements of Doctor Who, that people will say, well, the doctor should not have done this. And the answer is, well, this doctor is a different person and they may or may not have memories of past doctors and things in the past have happened. Again, setting aside the fact that time travel is complicated mm-hmm. and they can literally throw that out whenever they like. Um, but the new doctor can make whatever decisions they like. And it doesn't matter what they should or shouldn't do because they're not the same person. No. And the, and it should be... I th- I think I think they even acknowledge canon too much sometimes in Doctor Who. Like I think you should just be like the the whole show is set up to be whatever you want. Like, yeah. To, like you like anywhere in time and space you can go and you're in a different place every episode. Da 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 da. Yeah. So like it's for that. It's for it's designed to exist forever. And if something <laughs> that exists forever is beholden to its past, which could eventually encompass all of time, that sucks. You got to do the hard reset. Then you're watching the History Channel. And I mean <laughs> yeah. that both in the classical sense where it's actually about history and in the modern sense where it's like, but aliens. <clears throat> you got to take a cue from comic books, man. You know, you got to reset every now and then. You got to purge yourself of all that canon so you can tell new stories. Please. Was that the idea behind Torchwood? I don't know what the idea. I never watched Torchwood. I was never remotely interested. I don't know what the story was behind it. I think the idea behind Torchwood was to like have a quote adult spin-off in the same way that the Sarah Jane Adventures were like the even younger child spin-off mm-hmm. since Doctor Who has always like been a more or less family show aimed to like 
young adults, high school, middle school, like somewhere around there. It's like that demographic of uh, 10 to 17-year-olds, let's, let's say. Maybe 10 to 23-year-olds. New adults. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I mean, the, the quote is that it's a family show, so it's for everyone. Torchwood is like a hard R kind of thing. Yes. It sounded terrible, so I never watched it. <laughs> okay, well, the reason that I brought that up is because, because it's like, hey, was that their attempt to like do something different without being beholden to canon? Maybe. Maybe they felt they had to. I would, I would hope that in future the show doesn't feel that it has to make a different show in, other, in order to do further out there stuff, but it could have been, it could have been like, it could have just been, wow, this Doctor Who thing was really popular, let's make another show about it, but like, they, they were able to tell new stories without being weighed down by a lot of canon, though I have a feeling they may have introduced, they may have even played with a lot of Doctor Who, existing Doctor Who canon. Fun fact, originally the, the new Doctor Who series that started in 2005 was not going to be connected to the old series. We didn't find out or they didn't make up their minds until like three, four years in that it was it oh, actually wow. is a continuation of the old series. Right. Right. That would have been the, the acknowledgement when uh, Tennant saw the, the pictures of the past doctors in that book, yep. like Family of Blood, whatever of whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Canon makes it better. Ah. Necessarily. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like that argument about of for canon. I have a hard time arguing against. I, I really, I appreciate nods to things, but at the same time, I imagine if they weren't there, I would just be enjoying other aspects of it, of of whatever medium I'm consuming. I was gonna mention something about like reboot, but reboot is less about canonicity and more about intertextuality. Hmm. Because like reboot makes tons of references to other media, and some references <laughs> you only get. Because you've seen those other media, but um, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with like a canon of works. When we think about canon, I think about things like potentially like different anime, like differences between the anime adaptation and the manga, long running TV shows like Star Trek. Right now, Picard is is airing, and I'm sure people are like, "Oh, well, this isn't the same Federation from huh? the Next Generation," and and that <laughs> might be a point that they're trying to to make. But I think I think of like. I guess older shows and long-running shows and, like, stuffy old literary books. I mean, I, like, canon's fine, but don't let it get in the way of a good story. End of the day, like, canon's not more important than anything. You know, if, if you can make something compelling, but it, you have to cross canon to do it, then do it. That's why fanfic exists. Exactly. Some properties have, have a official tiered canon, i.e. Star Wars. Doctor Who's just ca- Doctor Who has no official canon. It's just like there's just stuff, <laughs> and I'd say I'd say uh, some like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is almost an anti-canon. Like stuff is like like in each each iteration of it, stuff is deliberately different. In the case of something like Doctor Who, it's certainly it's very easy to slip into regarding things as you know not being beholden enough to canon. Like how does this fit into this this and whatever? But I mean, I think there's like a certain degree of canon that can be good. Maybe more so from a creator standpoint, because then you you know you've got this, this jigsaw puzzle that you want to expand. Because I think it's possible if you don't have a, like a calcifying amount of canon to base something in a universe that has some canon, but more than the world of the Legend of Zelda, um, and like use that to put together elements to make a new story in that 
in the world of that that story in the universe of that story that's the tantalizing thing with canon because the payoffs are really good mm-hmm. when it when it does hit yeah all these things come together you, you acknowledge the past and it, it fill flows into the present so well and you get that cathartic moment like that's why every every fantasy book has to have a whole series every movie wants to have an entire franchise mm-hmm. because if you can do it the payoff is really good and i think a lot of this over protectiveness of canon is like the hopes that maybe whatever you're into can achieve that same thing if it just hews to canon but not everyone can do it. Not everyone is meant to do it. Sometimes stories are short and they're better that way. I was about to say, I, I see those as two different things. Like if you're writing a big fantasy story and you're trying to create a long series of events, a history and to have a causality between it, I see that as different than like uh, the legend of Zelda or doctor who or what have you, because I feel like those are things that did not intend to create this bit. And Z will probably correct me on the legend of Zelda. And both of you will probably correct me about Doctor Who. But in those cases, Doctor Who obviously didn't intend to run from like the 1960s until the the present. They wrote a story. They might have told, eventually they might have told stories that span, I don't know, a couple episodes. But I don't think anybody expected they'd have this baggage of like, ah, what are we going to do with the last 40 years of stories? It's like, I guess we'll have to throw it out. Legend of Zelda, like they made a game. Cool. They made another game also cool and they continue to make games and at some point they're like hey um what's what's the deal with this why do these why do we have these same characters and they built a mythology around those characters and they made a canon to make it fit but i think that's different from like a a game of thrones or a, a wheel of time or whatever where the point from the outset is to establish um that's that's not canonicity that's about creating this big worlds from the outset yeah um star yeah. star wars is like a good example of canonicity because they like had these movies and then it's like cool authors like write your stories and we'll try to fit them together <laughs> because we want to sell this massive universe again not planned but all this stuff came together and they had it and then later threw it <laughs> threw it out because it wasn't convenient for disney <laughs> i i would say that if you write the whole thing in a vacuum, then no canonicity doesn't doesn't factor into it. I would I don't know for sure, but I but I'd say something like a Breaking Bad. Probably they probably never really wavered from the plan. No, but uh, Game of Thrones is quite a touchstone because he's still not friggin' done writing the novels and like <laughs> the 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 fact that there was a show and it finished everyone mad about and everyone's waiting for the model all that stuff is going to be like going to affect the novel like it it can't not and so i think you're like you're now swimming in this in this um sea of canonicity because you're you're getting the feedback you're getting what people are responding to and you're now beholden to what you wrote before but if you wrote if you wrote everything out beforehand then no it's just a story that you plan to tell but I think uh, canon can very easily become an anchor when you're when you're getting a lot of feedback of the thing as you continue to write it. I feel like I feel like Zelda didn't get serious about it until Skyward Sword. They were always saying like, "Don't worry about it, people. We know how the games fit together. We've got a timeline that goes back further than the official publication of it." Yeah, they also said they knew what they were doing on Lost the whole time. <laughs> I don't believe that for an instant. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, I I do. 
perhaps naively believe that they did have a Zelda timeline from the from the time probably from around Link to the Past because that game seems to have the most story of the first three. I think the big difference, like what sets Zelda apart so much, is just that it does t- like there is yeah there's a a, a big grand ages long story about like this curse that's going to go on for who knows how long, but it's never really the core of any individual game to say, okay, this is how that advances. It's just like plopping into different points in time along that timeline and its branches to like develop this or that. If they had planned a timeline, they would not have it split into three branches. <laughs> and, and they would not have done them in, in the weird funky order that they did them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to get sucked into this, but I'm, I'm probably going to fail. I don't, I don't think any of the Zelda stuff is about canonicity. They have a myth and the yes. benefit of, a, of having a myth, like with Doctor Who, is you're like, this is just the structure that we use for all of our games. And at one point, when it's not convenient, like with Doctor Who, with Zelda, they will decide that the myth that admittedly they have built up over time, it, it, like they've gone from a simple myth and it's gotten more complicated at some point they will decide that that myth is no longer convenient for telling the kind of story that they want to tell and then they'll toss that out and then all arguments about a timeline will be completely moot so like leave the canon to the fans they seem to be pretty good about it it's sometimes fun <laughs> yeah. to, to talk about what what this or that means but i at the point at which it it is supposed to or does influence the the creation of the art itself i'm not on board All right, but that's going to do it for our discussion on this topic for this episode, but we would like to hear what y'all think about canon and canonicity in your favorite fandom or your least favorite fandom or your former favorite fandom. Do let us know. Last Jedi was the best of the series. Do let us know (laughs) nick at thenixcast.com. If you want to uh, tweet at us, you can do so. Fanthropologic is who we are on Twitter. You can find us, or you can find us on the Fanthropological Facebook page. If you want to see what the three... What else the three of us are up to you can search us at the nixcast basically anywhere on the internet and if you want to know what the three of us are up to individually i myself am a synth musician you can find all my work at fragileair.bandcamp.com or just search fragile air on this on the music streaming app of your choice and i will appear there updating with a lot of music very soon if you're wondering what i'm up to aside from being a huge nerd doing this podcast I also do another podcast, The Zeal Archives, with G, where every episode we cover a different bit of the world of Chrono Trigger. And included in those episodes are little mini audio dramas that, if you put them back to back, tell a a little cute little story. And you can check that out at zealarchives.com. In addition to that, I also do a live stream with Z and with G, where we try to beat Chrono Trigger in under 24 hours. That event this year is August 8th and 9th. Uh, that's the main event, raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada, which you can donate to right now at raceagainsttime.io slash donate. But if you do that right now, you'll actually be donating to a different charity. You'll be donating to Spectrum, which is a local LGBTQ community space, because up until the main event, every other Tuesday, we are racing through Final Fantasy VI, a favorite game of G, and uh, I'm mostly there for the ride. You can check that out at twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime. And as for me, I'm a writer and sometime translator. I currently have a translation of Beowulf, the old English epic poem, available over on Amazon. Uh, Whatever Amazon is your choice, Amazon. 
You can find it there if you type Beowulf, a mostly modern first translation, into the search bar. That's going to do it for this episode of Phanthropological. I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Breaking news. We have a special announcement from the Epic Film Guys. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.